it's Callie, and you're listening to the 54th episode of the Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday related to living an ethical and eco-friendly life. My goal is to inspire you to take action, both in your day-to-day routine and on a larger scale of community activism, because I believe that together we'll make a difference. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so that you automatically get each new episode right when it comes out. Today I'm chatting with Naomi Grevenberg. Like me, she's low-waist and lives in a van, but the similarities pretty much end there. She's been doing van life for twice as long as I have, in a van that's older than I am and definitely way older than my own van. She travels with her husband while I travel solo, they like rural camping while I prefer to stay in urban areas, etc, etc. So as we're swapping stories and tips from our lives on the road, you get to learn all about van life from two very different perspectives today. And as always, you can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash zero five four. Now for today's episode. So why did you start van life? Wow. Just jumping right in. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess my life in New Orleans just wasn't really what I expected it to be at the time. Um, I felt like I was just going through this redundancy of um, the daily grind. And um, I really wasn't living a life that that belongs to me. I was living someone else's idea of it. And um, yeah, and I just felt called to do something different, just re- st- take a step back, reevaluate where my life was going. Um, and I don't know, like when Dustin and I met in college, I remember the one of the first conversations we had was about, um, you know, getting a van and traveling through the country, visiting national parks. And um, that just kind of popped back in my head um, when, you know, I realized, okay, I really wasn't happy with the way things were going, my life's trajectory. So I decided to dig up that old dream and buy the van and hit the road. And we've been on the road for three years now. (laughs) And what was it that you were doing in New Orleans before you started van life? Tell me more about your background. So, um, yeah, so I lived in New Orleans for about maybe six or seven years. I went to college there for um, earth sciences, and I started a career there um, as a biologist working on coastal restoration projects in the Gulf of Mexico. So I did um, coastal monitoring. We would go out to the swamps and marshes every day, collect data um, for vegetation, for oil spills, uh, just land loss, like any any data. And um, th- that data would go towards um, evaluating um, remediation and restoration projects. So I did that for a few years um, and I loved it. It was, it was always so much fun to get on a boat every day and go out in the swamps and marshes and just be out there. And it's so beautiful um, and I loved it, but it just, it got to a point where it just wasn't working for me anymore. Um, Yeah. Dealing with the federal government could be um, a bureaucracy. So I'm sure you, you can understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my background. That's what I did before van life. So how long? Oh, I'm sorry. 
How long had you and Dustin been together before you started to take off in a van? We were together for hmm, about six years. Okay. Yeah, six or seven years. Yeah, about, yeah, six or seven, give or take, yeah. And so you're coming, you're around 10 years together now. Yeah, yes, we are. (laughs) Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Married for five. (laughs) So what are some of your favorite places that you've been to in the van? I know that's a hard question. That's so hard. That's so hard. Um, Because every place is so unique and you know, depending on, you know, the mental space, you know, I was in when I visited that that place and, you know, climate, of course, being in a van, you know, climate is a really important aspect to consider. But um, if I had to choose, I would say one of my favorite places is Yellowstone National Park. Um, it's just so wild, so raw. And, you know, it's a place I always go back to in my memory, and my heart, because um, we were six months on the road and we were we were in that national park. And it was, you know, a place where I asked myself a lot of hard questions because I was going through so much uncertainty being six months on the road. It was fall. Um, the weather was changing. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of loneliness. But I felt so much comfort just being in such a, a raw, wild space. Um, yeah, and it's it's just so beautiful to think about the growth, you know, since then. Um, so yeah, I'll say Yellowstone National Park. I also love Colorado. It's just so beautiful there. Yeah, I just I love I, both. Yeah, yeah, I actually just did an incredible hike in Crested Butte, Colorado, and the wildflowers were just insane. I've never seen anything like it. It was just magic. I wish we'd been able to meet up in Yellowstone back in May. It was so unfortunate that our schedules didn't end up lining up with all the snow. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've been to Uh, Yellowstone twice now, and, and both times we're like, middle end of May and there was just still a whole bunch of snow and so I'm really looking forward to being able to go back to it and and some better weather and you know because both times that I went like a bunch of the roads were closed down so Mm you're really limited on where you could go Um, yeah yeah I definitely have to get back sometime during the summer the early fall and and get to see it in all of its glory yeah I ended up going there after all the snow passed and um yeah some of the roads were still closed and it but it was just so beautiful. The weather was really gorgeous for a couple of days. And then the third day we were there, a snowstorm came through. (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Now, how do you handle that? Okay, so first tell me, what kind of van do you have? I have a 1985 Volkswagen Vanagon. (laughs) Okay, so really old van. I assume it's not very well insulated, correct? No, it is not insulated (laughs) well at all if if at all you know <laughs> we're actually yeah. doing we're going to be doing some work on it on the fall and winter when we um go back to new orleans um and our plan is to do some insulation so how do you how do you survive when something like wow. that comes up when you get stuck in a snowstorm lots of blankets and hot tea for sure we actually um we have a heater a propane heater. Oh, we okay. try not to use it so much. Yeah, it's a Propex. Um, but yeah, we try not to use it 
you know, so we kind of chase that 75 and sunny climate. But once in a while, like in Yellowstone recently, when a snow storm did come in, we used it a little bit. Um, doesn't work very well because the van isn't insulated, but it, it helps. It helps, especially at night or early in the morning when we have to get out of bed. Yeah. Oh, but we okay. have like, yeah. yeah, we have lots of blankets. <laughs> so those propane heaters, I've, I've thought about getting one, but I'm like really nervous about using those indoors. Yeah. Or like in an enclosed space. Is it safe or is it kind of risky? Um, it's definitely a risk, um, but there are monitors that you can have in your vehicle just okay. in case. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we we rarely ever use it. We turned it on that one time for the entire year so far. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 My van has insulation on the wall, the two side walls, the ceiling, the floor, mm. but then like the front up to the seats, there's just like a curtain. And then the back door is like, you can't really insulate them. And so because, no. because of that in the side door, too, the side door has a little bit of insulation, like in the, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It has like the metal pockets, like the indents. And so put insulation in there, but there's still just a lot of bare metal exposed. And so mm-hmm. even though there's such thick insulation in so many parts, because there's some big areas that have none at all, it's just like worthless. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even that's... know why I bothered. Yeah. And that's the kind of my thing with the heater. It's like we, you know, just use a bunch of blankets and wear socks, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and just bundle up. But, you know, for the most part, like, we usually just chase sunny weather. Yeah. Yeah. And it was totally worth it in Yellowstone, though. It was magical to see it that way. We just bundled up and, you know, just went exploring. Yeah, and I love that. You know, it's, it's to me, it's easier to deal with that cold weather because you can just bundle up lots of blankets, lots of layers of clothes. Um, And so I haven't had too bad of a time when I'm in a a cold weather situation. It's when I'm in really hot when it's, you know, 105 Mm -hmm. outside. So it turns into like 130 in the van and I'm Mm -hmm. just dying because you can't take any more layers off. And there's just no escaping the heat when you're inside (laughs) this giant metal box. Yeah. That's the sucky part for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I think it's a lot more brutal um, when it's hot. Um, yeah, right now we're in Taos and it is hot. Um, the mornings are beautiful. The nights are gorgeous. But when it hits like noon, one, two, three o'clock, it's brutal. So we've been like just going down to the Rio Grande River and just swimming and finding a water source. Like that's, that's our, our, you know, our thing. What are the biggest differences for you between living in a van and living in a house? The biggest differences uh, other than moving <laughs> other than I, the fact that you have uh, wheels yeah yeah I have wheels um I think like living a minimalist you know I mean our, our space is limited when we lived in New Orleans we had a big apartment like 1500 square feet um lots of storage lots of closets lots of things um so I think, yeah, the biggest difference is um, is having less, you know, and being okay with having less, you know, realizing that having less is, is better for me. It works for us. We are so much happier. We don't have to keep up with all the things. Um, 
yeah, I think that that's the biggest difference. Yeah. When you uh, when you left New Orleans, did you put your stuff into storage or did you get rid of most? We of got it? rid of most of our possessions. Like we sold all our furniture. We got rid of like all my clothes, shoes. Can't believe how many pairs of shoes I had. It's so crazy thinking back. I had like a closet of shoes and um, so much clothes and I, and I just hung on to everything. I was like hoarding stuff. And um, yeah, so we, we had like um, a few yard sales and um, yeah, and just like got rid of stuff, like put stuff on Craigslist. We gave away and donated um, a lot of things. We have a small storage in New Orleans with personal possessions, like um, some books and and pictures and paintings that I really love but for the most part yeah that's we we got rid of everything yeah shoes were a really big one for me as well before I joined the navy I had this um floor to ceiling shelf in my closet of all (laughs) high heels because I wore them every day I loved heels it was like what I wore exclusively and yeah. then I got rid of all of them when I was leaving for boot camp and, and getting rid of all of my belongings. And it was the second time in my life that I had done it on my way to boot camp. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and then I just transitioned and I was wearing my steel-toed military issue boots for every single day for the next four years. Wow. And now I'm at this point where, like, I look back and I can't imagine wearing either one, either the, the boots or the heels ever again. <laughs> I'm just like barefoot as much as possible or flip-flops when I have to like that's just and I own I own three pairs of shoes now yeah. and that's just the the 19 year old me would have been like oh my god how do you survive and I'm like oh but it's so much easier life is so much simpler yeah oh I hear you with the heels yeah that was primarily my my shoe closet as well like a lot of heels I can't think about putting my my feet in heels anymore I might break an ankle. <laughs> I know. They're so uncomfortable. Comfortable. I'm like, why was I doing this to myself? And mm. I would get up, you know, like two hours early to straighten my hair and do my makeup. And oh, my gosh. And now I just like go days without showering or brushing my hair. And <laughs> I don't ever wear makeup unless it's like a really special event. Occasion, yeah. It really, I feel like van life really, really changes you and just really strips you down to your core of who you actually are and not who society tells you you have to be. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, I, I think I was like, two nights ago, I was having a conversation with a friend about the same thing. It's like, wow, looking back on that girl in New Orleans three years ago, I am not the same person. I feel, I feel more like, like myself you know just more like like I'm supposed to feel just so calm and less anxious and more humbled and yeah yeah it really does strip you down to your core (laughs) let's talk about this this calmness because I know from following you on Instagram for the last like I don't know how long it's been like two years or so I think um you and Dustin have had so many breakdowns in your van. How do you handle that? Where do you get this patience from to just keep moving <laughs> forward with all that? And why, like, why still choose to to keep repairing the van instead of getting a newer one? Oh man, yeah, that's such a good one. <laughs> the breakdowns. It wasn't always. Um, 
I wasn't always so calm and patient. Uh, we used to stress so hard in the beginning when we had a breakdown. It felt like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. We we got like so anxious and stressed out and we would fight over it, like making decisions. But, you know, like over time, we've just come to realize that things are going to work out. They always do. We are so resilient. Um and we're problem solvers. And I think that's one of the lessons we learned like through all these breakdowns is that we're able to overcome this. We will figure it out. We, we always do. So, you know, one of the things that I realized is that, you know, when you get stuck in the mud, instead of like fighting it, you know, you just stay calm and figure out a way to get unstuck. So that's kind of like our the way that we see things now, it's like, okay, we have a problem. What do we do? How do we get unstuck from this problem? The van is broken. What are we going to do? And another thing is that people are so amazing on the road. Like we've never had a problem where no one stopped to help. People always stop. They're always there for us, you know, and people love the stories on the road. So when when they stop and we're broken down, they get to hear stories and help us through the breakdown. And that's always something that we can count on. So it's just a matter of like letting go. And I think that's one of the lessons with fan life is just accepting things that's, as they come and surrendering to what is and, and letting go and, and things work out. Do you think you'll ever upgrade to a newer van or are you with your current one till the end? I don't know. There's a magic to this van. There's so much growth that happens in here. And I mean, and you just can't beat the iconic VW look, you know? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. And I just, I love the layout of this van. It's just built so well. All, every inch of space is utilized fully. And I love how, you know, the organizational structure of the inside. Um, so yeah, there's a magic to this to this fan. I don't know if we will ever get another one. Um, we have thought about it when you know the breakdowns got too heavy. You know, we have thought like, okay, we can't continue doing this. But um, but I feel like if we do, I'll be okay with that. You know, if the day ever comes where it's like, all right, it's time for us to move on, I think I'm okay with it. You know, so much has happened here, and and it's something you know, so much growth and it's just something that I'll carry with me forever. So it's more in my heart rather than, you know, the van itself. Although I love this van. <laughs> so I want to get into all the common questions that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times. I've got them a thousand times. Um, but I know this is what people are going to be really interested in learning about. So first, how do you find places to park every night? <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, public lands. We we spend a lot of time in nature anyway, so we rarely ever go to cities, so it's never really an issue for us finding places to park. Um, and we plan our trips accordingly, so we don't have to try to find a place in a city or, or driving at night. So we go mostly towards where there are public lands, like we love national parks, so we visit you know, our our route is always in the direction of BLM, public lands or national parks. Um, so there are, you know, always campgrounds, dispersed camping. Like that's 
usually um yeah how we find camping and um we just launched an app called the van life app and it's like a one-stop shop resource for overland travel so on that app you know people are putting in a lot of like um beautiful locations where uh for overlanders so that's one of our the resources that we go to to find camp spots as we travel and how do you and Dustin both make money on the road? Okay, so we were really fortunate when we hit the road. Um, well, I'll tell you the story. So we both decided, okay, we're going to put in our resignation for our jobs um, the same day. So he went to work, I went to work, I put in my resignation, and he put in his. And the funny thing is his boss called him and asked him if he would, you know, like to work remotely so we're so fortunate i mean we were both flawed that he offered him um a remote position so dustin does construction estimating um he doesn't work for the same company anymore but that's that's what he does on the road so he works remotely doing that and over the course of three years like i've done a lot of freelance gigs like photography writing um like even gardening things like that. But now we work, uh, we both work for the Van Life app as sustainability directors. Um, so that's a part of what we do. Yeah. So that's how we both make money. And I feel like for people who are vaguely interested, like they're really intrigued by Van Life, but they're set in, they've got their nine to five and they, they aren't sure of how they could possibly leave that and travel without an income source. I feel like it's such a common question of like options to make money on the road. So in, in your travels with all the other van lifers that you met, what are some of the, the really cool jobs that you've seen people doing to, to be able to travel full time? Yeah, well, the funny thing is like, I think over the course of three years, I've heard of a lot of companies like hiring for remote work. So I've met so many van lifers that work for like corporate companies um, doing remote work in their field. Um, some are scientists, um, consultants, um, even working for like outdoor brands. Like a lot of these companies um, hire people that live on the road, like um, photography, writing gigs. Photography is a big one, videography as well. Um, those are some of the big jobs that, that I've seen a lot of fine lifers doing. Um, yeah, I think that's about, yeah, that's about the biggest. Yeah. What's like the strangest job you've seen or like something where you, you've heard and you're like, whoa, you can make money doing that. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing seems too strange <laughs> to me these days, <laughs> especially in fan life. The strangest job oh gosh I don't know if I want to say it uh -oh. <laughs> I have I have yeah there is one really really strange one but I don't know if I want to say it on on here do you edit I do you edit these? yeah I can edit it out if you want okay um porn stars people making really? porn, porn in their van yes a couple I in met. the van yep they Not just, like traveling to different sets I don't know. I don't. I didn't really get into details, but yeah, they make they make porn in their van. Yeah, that that's definitely the strangest. <laughs> yeah, that is very interesting. Do you want me to cut that out or leave it in? 
Uh, that's up to you. <laughs> I don't know what you're... I, I'm fine with it. I think, Let's leave it in. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so, and they, so many options, guys. They love it, yeah. And they, they've made award-winning porn in their van. Well, you know what they say, like, people are into to literally everything, and you can find anything on the internet, so really it isn't that surprising that, that van life porn is, is a thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting. I mean, my strangest one is so much tamer than that, though. Like, the strangest thing that I've heard is just, like, somebody who, like, makes drawings of people's pets and does it full-time and makes money, uh, enough money to travel. But that's that's, that's nothing oh, compared to yours. No, no. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah, a lot of artists on the road. It's, it's such yeah. a great way to um, to travel in a van and... Um, you know, your, your, your creativity is constantly challenged and stimulated, ever-changing environments. It's such a great way to travel. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you and Dustin are both working for the Van Life app, which I'm going to assume requires that a lot of your work has to be done over the internet. How are you accessing the internet while on the road? Yeah, well, we have a hotspot on our phone. So, and we also have um, a a yeah a booster a cell phone booster so if we have like just a smidgen of a signal the booster will pick it up and amplify it so it allows us to have like a a wider range Um, like I said earlier we spend a lot of time in the outdoors not so much in cities so the booster and the hotspot helps us like be where we want to be so we can go far out into the BLM or, or out into the wilderness. And if we have an ounce of service, we're able to do some work and it works really well. So that's, that's how we were able to get things done and still, you know, not be um, attached to, to cities. Yeah. And coffee shops and, you know, things like that. Oh uh, Yeah. That's my life for sure is coffee shops and public libraries. Public libraries are pretty great, though. I love they visiting are. public. Yeah. yeah, I love visiting public libraries in different places we pass through. Sometimes, like when we have to do calls, because um, all of our work are remote. Like everyone on the team are van lifers, so once a week we do have like a team call, um, and having Wi-Fi is usually the best for that particularly. Yeah, so libraries are usually our our go-to when we have to do those calls. Yeah, and I've recently got into going to co-working spaces too, and I'm I'm kind of a cheat because I'll just like look at the city where I'm going or the town and like find a co-working space that has like a free day pass. Yeah. <laughs> and do that, which is yeah. kind of cheating the system a little bit, but they're they're surprisingly really expensive, unfortunately. I see they like a, a day pass going for anywhere from like twenty to like forty dollars for a day. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is I, I just wanna sit down and, and use your, your Wi Fi, so I might as well just go to a cafe instead. Yeah, yeah. They they they're pretty pricey. We did a lot of co working spaces when we traveled through uh Southeast Asia. We spent six months traveling and that was um usually the places we go because they had better service, um, better Wi-Fi service, um, and much more conducive for for working. But yeah, in the U.S., I've found that they're very expensive. Yeah. 
So here's the big question. How do you shower and go to the bathroom? Oh, man. Yeah, that's like the one question everybody wants to know. Right? Every yeah. single person is just suddenly, uh, complete strangers are so interested in your bathroom routine. Yeah, it is It is interesting um, in fan life. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it's something that people worry about a lot. Um, it's one of the things that I didn't worry about when we were getting on the road. Um, but I've realized that most most people worry about their bathroom situation. So we spend a lot of time in nature, so we go outside. We have a poop shovel. <laughs> and um, yeah, and we dig a hole six to eight inches, like Leave No Trace recommended. Um, it's uh, the right depth for max decomposition of human waste. So that's what we do. Um, when we're in cities, of course, um, public restrooms, um, cafes, like we'll, we have a coffee shop day or a library day. Um, that's what we do. Um, yeah, and that works for us, uh, depending on where we are. But yeah, when we're out in nature, that's, that's how we go. As far as showers, um, rivers, lakes, we also have, um, a, I think it's about almost five gallons of like a solar shower that Dustin and his dad built for the van so it's attached to the to the roof of the van and it's black painted black so that um, it can capture the heat from the sun so it's um so we have a warm shower if we if we need one um yeah and that's kind of like our backup for like if we're out for an extended period of time for like a few days and we really need a shower if it's hot outside or dusty so that's one option for showers we also pay for showers like today there's a community center in taos that has showers for two dollars i'm gonna take advantage of that i haven't had a shower in about two weeks now so <laughs> so i'm gonna have a nice long shower wash my hair um and a lot of uh, rest stops um and um like uh, those uh, gas stations offer like you know showers for like seven dollars which is a little little pricey for me um yeah. but but those are a good good option for showers so sometimes we do that if we really desperately need one and we're passing through um, a truck stop or something we'll, we'll stop and get a shower but community centers rec centers uh gyms as well that's another option i know a lot of van lifers they get like um the gym membership planet fitness i think mm-hmm yeah, yeah, that's what I have. That's what you have, yeah. We haven't done that. Yeah, we haven't gotten the, the Planet Fitness membership, but but we haven't really had a tr any problems finding showers. I think that's probably the easiest thing, the least of our worries. Yeah, it really, for me, it hasn't been too much of a concern, but it's still like the, the number one question that I get, people are really worried about it. And I think unless you have some sort of medical condition like IBS or yeah. something where you might need a bathroom very, very quickly and not have time to look for one, then it is something to, to worry about and to, to plan ahead for. Certainly. But other than that, it's, it's not a it's not a hard thing to find. It really isn't. And I'm much more of a, an urban van lifer than you guys are. Um, just yeah. with running my business and all of the different projects I do, I need to be connected to the internet just about every single day. So I yeah. don't get out into wilderness very often at all. Or if I do, it's just for a night or two. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, public restrooms, I mean, they're everywhere. They're, everywhere. There's a bathroom everywhere. Even like, you know, you're driving through the really rural area. There's still gas stations every like hour or two. And if you're mm. really in an area where there's not a public restroom, then you're probably far enough out that you can just yeah. go outside. Outside, like, exactly. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with people. Oh my gosh, and especially with girls, people just think it's so disgusting and dirty, especially for a girl to go outside or to even talk about the fact that she goes outside. People are just offended by that. But if y'all remember what we did before we invented toilets, right? (laughs) That's what I always (laughs) say when people are like, oh my gosh, you, you poop outside? And I'm like, yeah, well... Humans have been around for a while, you know, and we we didn't always have houses with flush toilets. So, yeah, and it's actually like a lot better or easier on your body to to go in that squatting position than it is to be sitting on a toilet. So true. Your body isn't supposed to be bent like that when you're just sitting. So it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. Definitely. If you want to do van life, don't worry about the bathroom situation. There will no. be somewhere to go. Like the only thing you're going to need to worry about is like if you eat some bad food and food or, there's yeah. some sort of emergency, then it might be an issue. But like how often does that happen? It's not that all that often. It, happened. Yeah, it's, it's never, never happened, happened to me either. So yeah. it's never happened to us. Like it did happen when we were traveling abroad, like, but we were staying in hostels and, you know, yeah. we had bathrooms, but yeah, never in the van. And I've never, I've never ever worried, you know, wor- been worried about my bathroom situation. You know, it's, we'll figure it out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I would 100,000% recommend for people with vaginas to get a pee funnel though. Like oh, that yeah. helps so much. It changes your life. That's my jam right there. Yes. <laughs> I have like two of those in the van. <laughs> one, one is one is in the van, one is in my backpacking pack. And that has been a lifesaver. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It really does. And then yeah, I have a, a Planet Fitness membership. So I do the $20 a month black card. And then like with taxes, I think it comes like $23 a month. Yeah. Um, but there's there's almost always a Planet Fitness and like every town that I go to it's very rare that there there isn't a planet fitness and they keep building new ones too like that franchise is doing really really well um so that's so convenient it is it's so so convenient and if I actually worked out it would be even better because I'd be getting more (laughs) use out of it um but I don't I hate exercising but if if you do exercise it's great because you have that two-in-one um you get to go work out and then you get your shower and I also love with the black card membership is that you get access to all of their um, massage and hydro massage beds and and all of that and so that's just my favorite thing like I go in I take my shower and then I go and I spend like 20 minutes on the hydro massage bed oh and lovely Yeah, it's fantastic, especially if you've been driving for a long stretch of time, you know, you get so sore from just sitting there doing nothing. And so that's, that feels really nice. And then if there isn't a Planet Fitness, there's, like you said, there's community centers, there's other gyms. Again, like looking online for like a free day pass is so helpful. A lot of gyms 
will let you sign up, especially like the smaller ones, like they give you a free day or the community centers have free day passes or like a free day of the week or free day of the month or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. it's really convenient. Yeah. There's, there's so many options for showers and even like in small towns, like Dustin and I would pull up to maybe a gas station, get some gas or, you know, maybe the local co-op and people would come up to us. Like people just love the iconic V-Dub look, you know, so they always want to come chat about our story. And we've been offered showers and warm beds and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> people just love it. People are great. I know. <laughs> it happens all the People really do. I think especially people who are like, oh my God, I always wanted to do that, but you know, I've never had the courage to. And so they, they like want to live vicariously through you. And so that yeah. does, it happens. There's such amazing kindness from strangers, whether it's fellow van lifers or fellow nomads or just people who think what you're doing is really cool and want to help out however they can. Yeah, so true. Yeah, the, the kindness of people on the road never cease to amaze me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've got one of those solar heated shower bags, but I've never used it. Is it like, yeah. is it easy? I don't even know how to put it, how to like hang it up though, to be able to use it, which yeah. is kind of why I never have. Yeah. Well, when we first got on the road, we had one of those solar bags. Um, we used it twice and then never used it again because we started just like jumping into rivers and lakes. And it, it, yeah. it was kind of a hassle to get it set up, like you were saying, like find somewhere to hang it. Um, so, but what we have is different. It's, it's like made out of, um, like a PVC, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know the kind that you're talking about. The, yeah. the fancier ones. Yeah. And yeah, Dustin and his dad made that a couple of years ago when we were, um, visiting in Louisiana and yeah, that one, and it has like a little tap at the end. So we just attach a little hose on a shower with a shower head and that's, that's how we we shower with that one but the solar bags are a little a little challenging <laughs> a little a bit too much work for the the two minute shower <laughs> and of course there's always the the go-to when you're between actual showers of just using a wet washcloth and cleaning the important parts yeah and that's that's my daily go-to I have yeah. like a, a little rag and yeah a bowl of water and also sometimes when I when I'm really really desperate, I have like a little a little metal bowl and I fill that with water and I take a bowl shower, right outside the van. All right. Yeah. Now, okay. The, so question for you. So like yeah. you know you can we can use like wet washcloths and clean the body and and stretch out that time between taking a shower. What do you do though about your hair when your hair is getting really grungy and you know you're not your next shower isn't going to be for a while how do you like do you style your hair a certain way do you have a, a way of washing it while in the van what do you do to to get your hair through to the next shower honestly I rarely wash my hair my hair probably gets washed like once a month when I have when I get that shower um so I have really curly hair um and I honestly just use water on it daily to just keep it calm because it gets really, really crazy. Um, so yeah, I'll just like, you know, pour like a cup of water on it or something. Um, or I have like a spray bottle with um, some like aloe vera juice and um, 
and a little bit of vegetable glycerin and, and castor oil and I use that on my hair um, but I honestly like I don't really worry about it I have like head wraps that I use so when it gets really crazy which it's it has been the last few days being here in Taos like I've been wrapping my head um, a lot today it's getting a shower so I'm super excited about that but I I honestly just own it I own the, the dirty hair <laughs> You know, it's just a part of a part of who I am now, <laughs> you know. Uh, see, I wish I could do that. Like, I just, I can't own the dirty hair. To me, like, my hair is, like, one of my best features when it looks nice, of course. Yeah. Um, and so I hate when it gets, um, it gets really matted down and it starts to get, like, like that greasy, sticky feeling to it when it's been yeah. too long. And I actually, I only wash with shampoo, like, probably about once a month or so. Um, I've weaned my hair off of shampoo over the years to the point where I rarely need it. Um, But I do need to get my hair wet. Like I need to rinse it and brush it every two, three days max. And sometimes that just isn't possible. So Mm. yeah, just trying to find like hairstyles or something to try to to hide how matted and gross it is until I can get to that next shout, like a, you know, proper just... Because you can always dump a bowl of water over your head, but it's just not the same as, like, an actual shower head, shower. like, spraying water through the hair, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. My hair, um, like, the this hairspray that I use, like, with the, the aloe vera gel, it's like a leave-in conditioner. Like, that helps detangle. Um, okay. So I do detangle it every day with, like, I wet it with water and I use the the spray with the aloe vera juice and the castor oil and I have a like a white teeth comb that I just comb it out with but you know as far as washing when I do wash I use like baking soda and as a, my sh- shampoo as my cleanser and I use apple cider vinegar and water as a, like my conditioner so yeah. so that really helps my hair like a lot like since I stopped using shampoo like and conditioner in that way, that conventional way, I've seen a huge difference in how my hair is managed. It's a lot easier to manage. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I guess I've really figured that out. Wow. Didn't realize <laughs> that I've definitely <laughs> figured out my hair routine on the road. <laughs> yeah. Apple cider vinegar is amazing. It, you know, I use that and it brings out my natural curl so much. It gives me this nice, like, shine to my mm-hmm. hair. It, like, it helps with frizz. It's it's wonderful. Like, it's such a simple thing that helps so, so much. I love using, like, a diluted, like, 50-50 apple cider yeah. vinegar rinse. Um, but, yeah, I can't – I can only brush my hair when it's wet um, you know, get the, get it wet, get the tangles Same. out and like the scrunch the curls back up. Cause if I brush my hair when it's dry, it turned like Hermione <laughs> hair, you know, like just thick lion's mane, frizzy. It looks ridiculous. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Water is, water is my jam every day for, for my hair. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it dry at all. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, how do you guys cook in the van? Well, we have a stove inside. Um, it's a propane stove, two burner. Um, yeah, it's a part of what came with the van. Um, so yeah, so we, we cook on that. We 
did when we first got on road we had a like an outdoor camping stove but we quit using it um because of the like um disposable propane canisters um so we just cook inside now with um our propane stove so we have like a i think it's i don't know how many gallons maybe six gallons of uh, refillable propane so we go to yeah to gas stations and we refill that and that lasts It'll last us months and we use it um, every day. We cook every meal in the van um, on our tiny two burner stove. A lot of one pot meals, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of and veggies. Think, it's not hard to find, to be able to refill the propane, right? Like pretty much gas stations, RV parks, that kind of thing. They always have refills, right? Yeah, it's it hasn't been difficult. We in one small town we went to, it was really hard fairly recently. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, it was really hard to find somewhere to fill and we ran out. So we were cooking over um, a campfire for a couple of days. Um, but uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's really it's really easy. Most gas stations um, offer to refill. Yeah. Okay, so you've mentioned that you're traveling with your partner, Dustin. So yeah. uh, let's talk about like intimacy. How do you, how do you live in such close quarters <laughs> with somebody and like not fight constantly or just not want to <laughs> kill each other? Because that, that's something I hear is like, oh, I'd love to. But if I was like, if I was around my wife or my husband that much, like I would kill them. Wow. Well, yeah, the beginning was hard. It was definitely a learning curve to adjust in such a tiny space and not like you know encroach on each other um but we've learned to communicate like like that's one of the things that living in such a small space has taught us like communicate your needs um and you know our we're like we're, we've become so sensitive to each other's space in the van that we're we're hyper aware of like okay this person needs space or i need to like you know, maybe um, I need to take a walk or just let them have the van for a few hours or something like that. So we're we're hyper aware. And and I guess, you know, digging deep for that that compassion for sharing a space with someone else, it's not easy. So we've learned to to just be patient with each other and and just ask for what we need and also giving each other space, like getting out of the van. And that's kind of like what we tend to do it's like okay this person is feeling irritable today or you know or you just need some quiet time or you need to just sleep in the bed all by yourself um yeah so we'll like one of us will leave go for a walk or go sit outside or yeah like right now he's sitting outside (laughs) doing some work on his computer as I'm in the van talking to you so yeah it takes a lot of communication and it's not easy it still isn't easy um, dealing with, you know, you know, PMS, like my PMS, I turn into like a crazy person sometimes. Um, so there's a lot of patience around that, that Dustin uh, sends my way. So, yeah. Well, tell Dustin I say hi. I'll tell her you say hi. Yeah. (laughs) It's not easy though. (laughs) I bet. So how do you and Dustin both, how do you try to be as eco-friendly as possible with your van life? Wow, we, it's a constant experiment. I think we're on, um, on our eco-friendly journey. We have uh, 
started a plastic-free zero waste journey for the, the I think it's been a little over a year now we've been we've been doing that so we try to minimize the waste that we bring into the van um so yeah we shop in bulk like uh, like food is a, is a big part of uh of I think most people's waste like how they yeah. grocery shop you know so we're very conscious about that so we we usually plan our grocery shopping trips um down to the T. It's like, okay, we're going, we're passing through this big city. There are a lot of bulk stores. So we're going to stop and stock up on dried goods like beans and rice and, you know, grains or whatever. And we, we do that with bulk bags and um, mason jars. Like I have tons of mason jars with food in here. So we don't um, bring in a lot of like packaged goods. And we eat, um, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables. So that's primarily our diet. So we buy those like at farmer's markets or at co-ops where um, they're not like wrapped in plastic or anything like that. And we try to do that local. We try to shop as local as we can. So for passing through like in like, for instance, we were in Colorado for over a month, I think. And yeah, there's so many beautiful local farmer's markets and farms. So we would try to go straight to the source if we can. And that eliminates a lot of um, a lot of our packaging that we would bring into the van. And we're so we're both really conscious of it. And it's, it's a goal for both of us. So it makes it easy, really easy for us to to accomplish that. Um, I know a lot of people struggle when like one partner isn't as conscious as the other, you know. Yeah. But, but I'm fortunate that that we're both really it's important to us, you know, that we eliminate our waste in that way. Um, yeah, so shopping in bulk, um, shopping locally, buying our produce locally, supporting local farms. Um, that's one big way that we try to minimize our waste. And also, like, traveling slowly, you know, it's greatly reduced, like, how much fuel we need to put in the van. So we spend a lot of time in the places we visit. Like, we were in Buena Vista for a month in Colorado, and we barely moved. Like, we would walk places and hike and you know, and our van stayed parked and we'll come home in the evening and, um, you know, after a day out in nature. And yeah, so slow travel has been like a really, a really big way to like minimize our carbon footprint as we live a life of travel. So um, yeah, those are two really big ways. And also making a lot of my beauty products in the van, like I make everything now. Yeah, so that's been that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I make my own hair products, my own skincare products, um, hair care products, like everything, everything we make in the van. And that's been such a fun um, and interesting journey. <laughs> and speaking of farmers markets, there's this really awesome app that I love and use all the time, and it's it's literally just called Farmers Markets. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's an Android version for sure, but I have an iPhone. I know there's, so I know there's an Apple version. Um, but yeah, it just tells you, you know, you, you put in your location and it tells you where the farmer's markets are around you, what day of the week, what their hours are. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's a weekly one or some towns will have like indoor all day or like all day of the week markets and that kind of thing. And so 
that is really, really handy when you're passing through to be able to find local food, you know, giving back, supporting that local economy and the local farmers. I love the farmer's market app for sure. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I love shopping at farmer's market. It's like, you know, it makes me feel really good about what I'm putting in my body. And like you said, supporting local economies and local farmers, it's, it's definitely a priority for us as we travel. Do you guys do any sort of composting? Yeah, that's the trick in the van. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that was really a learning curve. And I feel like, you know, it's still something we're trying to figure out. Um, you know, we collect our food scraps. So I recently, like our fridge in the van went out. And so we had to get a new fridge and we opted for a dual zone. Like it's, it has um, a freezer with it, which is a luxury on the road. Like oh, yes. Always like, well, you have a freezer in your van? Um, and the idea around getting the freezer was so that I can freeze my food scraps. Mm-hmm. Because finding composting, commercial composting facilities on the road is very tricky, especially as we don't really spend a lot of time in like bigger cities. Um, some small cities do have like composting facilities or we can find like a community garden or a small farm that would take it. But for the most part, it's been it's been really, really challenging. So being able to use the freezer to freeze my food scraps until I find a facility that would take it has been really great. Um, And we also have like, we kind of, we use a basmati rice bag. Um, Like that's what we used a lot before getting the freezer. We would put our food scraps in there and like hang it in the sun to dry. So the food scraps would dry out and then we can, like store it until we find a facility. So that was one trick that that worked for us. Have you heard of or do you use the app Share Waste? Yes, I do use Share Waste. <laughs> yeah, it's still small, but but growing yeah. pretty quickly. I love that and using that to try to find who have a compost bin or have chickens and we'll take your food scraps all over the yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah, that I have used that. That helped me. Where was I? I think maybe was it Vegas? Maybe it was Vegas or Reno. It yeah, <laughs> helped it helped me there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah, more people need to use it. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it needs more people so that it can continue growing. So, yeah. definitely recommend people get that app whether you travel or if you're you know, you have a home, get the mm-hmm. app, see which one of your neighbors, or if you have a compost bin or chickens, get on there and put your location so that, you know, and it's really simple too. You can just like leave a little note in the instructions and just tell people to like leave their little container on your front porch or whatever. Porch. So you don't even have to like, you know, coordinate schedules or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a great thing. <laughs> great tool for travel too. Mm-hmm. Have have you guys ever calculated your carbon footprint with van life? Oh man, we have tried. We have <laughs> tried. It's very... It's hard because they're not set up for the idea of van life. Yeah, we have tried so much. Actually, that's kind of one of our goals for like when we um, settle down in New Orleans this fall and winter because we both need a break from the road and and yeah, we we've decided to sit down and try to calculate it, like just go back 
and, and see if we can do that. But yeah, we have tried and it's it's very challenging. <laughs> it is, yeah, but I found, you know, I've tried to calculate like my carbon footprint now with like with traveling in the van versus what it was when I had an apartment either to myself or with one roommate and I found pretty consistently, you know, it is hard to, you can't get exact numbers because they're, they're set up on the idea that you have a a house um, and a car and not that the two are the same, but it's definitely consistently lower um, being in a van versus having an apartment. And I'm sure the numbers the, the numbers absolutely change depending on like how many people you live with and yeah um, how much you drive and that kind of thing but for me compared to how I used to live which was still pretty simply you know it was a small yeah. apartment didn't have a huge footprint I always lived relatively close to work so it wasn't like I was commuting great distances um, yeah but you know so something that I get sometimes and I, I wonder if you do as well since you're into sustainability and, and you're very active online um, you have a social media presence is I get people who accuse me of like eco hypocrisy because mm-hmm. I use gasoline because I have yeah. a vehicle do you hear that from people sometimes yes actually I get that a lot <laughs> I yeah. get it a lot but but like you were saying um, I feel like I know that our carbon footprint is much smaller than it was when we lived in New Orleans. We had two cars. We both uh, commuted to work every day, um, like two hours. I I was two hours away from work. Dustin was about an hour. I got caught in traffic every day. We had a huge apartment that was not very modern. It was like an old um, building in New Orleans. So the heating wasn't very good. Um, it wasn't very well insulated, really, really old pipes. Um, yeah, and we we lived, you know, we, we just had a lot of stuff. We had a lot of things. And um, I feel like now, you know, we're, we're living so simply. We, we live low waste. We practice slow travel. Um, we don't fly can't tell you the last time I flew on an airplane that was like maybe last year when we went to Asia um yeah our footprint is significantly smaller and and the thing about um you know sustainability I mean it's not perfect yeah you know nothing is perfect I think it's about doing your best with what you have you know I'm not going to go out and buy a brand new car like you know, more like an electric car. I mean, let, let's let's talk about the resources that went into creating that new car, you know? Um, yeah, we maintain our vehicle. We don't have leaks. We, you know, reuse parts and rebuild. And I think that that's definitely something to consider when we're talking about sustainability. Yeah, and I, I've actually done the math and I try to slow travel as much as possible and, and spend a couple of weeks or so in, in one area. Um, but there are times for work or for whatever um, project that I'm doing, like I'll have to drive halfway across the country, maybe once or twice a year. And even with that driving, I'm still driving less overall than like the average, average. American worker does. Yeah. So, oh, so true. because like you said, you know, you get somewhere 
you spend a couple weeks there and you pretty much like you just find somewhere to park the car, the van, and then you just walk places. And there's there's entire stretches of like an entire week or two where the van doesn't move at all. Yeah. Um, and then when you calculate everything else, the fact that all of my electricity is um, solar powered and the, how little water I use um, just from you know, from my manual hand pump and being really conscious of the water I'm using for like washing dishes and not showering as much as normal people going Mm -hmm. to the bathroom outside and not using toilets, Mm -hmm. like not shopping, you know, fast fashion. Oh my gosh, that's huge. That doesn't get talked about enough at all. And yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Cause we, we cycle through uh, seasonal gear by secondhand shopping. Oh, nice. Yeah, like all our seasonal gear and seasonal clothing, like we we go to thrift stores because, I mean, we travel. So if we want to spend time, say, in Yellowstone in the fall when it's getting chilly, we go to a local thrift store, get, you know, a couple scarves and a sweater, you know, maybe a pair of pants. And yeah, Yeah. when the seasons change, we cycle that back through a thrift store and we get seasonal clothes that way. Yeah, we live we we live so minimally. We don't buy new things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's huge. Yeah, and like you say, like with water consumption as well, it's like you're so conscious of how you use it. Like every drop counts. Like every oh, drop absolutely. in our van. Yeah, because it absolutely changes your perspective of water when you have to go find your water source and like go fill like me I have my sink is connected to a six gallon water tank and so I have to go find the water carry my tank over there fill it up and then carry the tank back to the van and it's heavy Mm -hmm. and like it really does change your perspective and makes you appreciate every single drop and you Mm -hmm. utilize every drop and like I'll sit there and I'll take like my pasta water and I'll let it cool down and I'll dilute it a little bit and that's how I water my plants for the week yeah yeah it really does. Yeah, it changes. And then being more conscious, too, is as you were talking about earlier, of just trying to buy local produce as much as possible. You know, the the carbon footprint of our food traveling mm. across the world to get to us is ginormous. And so yep. not only is that reducing the carbon emissions, but you're supporting that local economy, eating less animal products. That's yeah. a big help. That's um, huge for us. Yeah, yeah. We- like, we can't even store meat. Like, we won't, like, I'm always worried about, like, cross-contamination. And that's, um, that's been, like, a huge uh, reduction in our carbon footprint. Like, reducing how much meat we eat. Like, I don't really, we don't really eat meat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lactose intolerant vegetarian. So I don't, <laughs> I don't ever eat meat. Um, I haven't really eaten meat in years, just I wasn't ever a fan of it. Like never liked yeah. red meat. I, yeah. I used to eat like salmon and chicken and stuff, but now for both the ethics and the environment, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't need it. I'm lucky enough to live in a country where for the most part, I can get all the nutrients, all the protein I need from plant-based from plant. sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does occasionally get hard when you're really out in like rural middle of nowhere. But even then, you know, there's, it might be a couple days where I'm like protein mm-hmm. deficient and like yeah. mainly getting protein from beans or whatever. And yeah. in those cases, like I will opt for like um, a single use protein bar. 
just yeah. to make sure because that that protein bar wrapped in plastic mm-hmm. you know it's to me and and if you just look at the the facts it is better still for the environment than mm-hmm. if I had bought a chunk of meat to eat especially yeah. something that was brought over from from gosh knows where yeah so, oh yeah. yeah it's it's so much easier and then like I don't dairy does horrible things to my skin and to my stomach um and so I do eat dairy very very rarely um and it's only in cases of like food waste because I will go like dumpster diving or something sometime yeah and so if there's like some thrown away like pastries or whatever that were cooked you know they have milk and butter in the recipe um like I will eat it because to me like I'd much rather eat that food versus it just going into the landfill and being completely wasted yeah oh man I hear you food waste is a pet peeve of mine yeah have you guys ever tried dumpster diving no we have not tried it (laughs) I know it's such an interesting thing like I gotta try this yeah yeah for sure I just did an episode on dumpster diving too oh man yeah okay you've convinced me I'm (laughs) gonna do it I'm so open yeah you should try it yeah you should really try I the episode was with um this guy named Matt he's on Instagram as an urban harvester and Uh he's he's in Europe and he goes every single day his like his mission his goal right now is to do the entire year every single day he goes to because he lives within one mile of three supermarkets so at night after they've closed he just bikes you know in this little loop and goes to each of the three supermarkets within a mile of his house and he's just the there's overwhelming food there's way more food than he could possibly eat he collects as much as he can and like gives it to friends and family like tries to cook meals out of it donates it to food banks when he can but like he also works like a full-time nine-to-five job and so he doesn't always have time to take stuff to food banks like on a daily basis before they go bad but you know it's just like Gosh, these three supermarkets within a mile of each other are producing so much food waste. And this isn't, this isn't just a problem in his town. This is a problem across the world. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pet peeve of mine. It just, yeah. I grew up really poor. So wasting food is not an option in our home. Um, Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that hurts a lot. Well, so you mentioned earlier, leave no trace. Can you explain more what that is to people who've never heard of it? Okay, so leave no trace is like a set of like seven principles, um, mainly for like outdoor ethics. So how we interact with nature when we when we go out like hiking, biking or any any outdoor activity. So it's a set of seven principles that helps um, you know, people um, maneuver in the outdoors and minimize their impact. And Dustin and I became uh, Leave No Trace Master Educators. Uh, it was, I think, in March or March or April. Yeah, we did a Leave No Trace Master Educator course in uh, Grand Staircase Escalante. So we, we are trained to... Um, to help like educate and and spread environmental stewardship around um yeah how we interact with nature when we go out and what are those seven principles 
So the seven principles is uh, plan ahead and prepare. That's number one. Travel and camp on durable surfaces. Dispose of waste properly. Leave what you find. Minimize campfire impacts. Respect wildlife and be considerate of other visitors. So those are the seven principles. Yep. So very basic common sense things. It's yeah, you that think, need right? to be emphasized. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, conversation around the, uh, the leave no trace principles um, yeah. when it comes to like the whole common sense things. Because you think that you go outside in nature, you'll, you know, respect wildlife and you won't like just walk over or drive over mm. small plants, you know, but I don't know, yeah. I guess isn't that common these days <laughs> and and disposing of waste properly like that's that's like the big one for me the dispose of waste properly and minimize campfire impacts I see a lot of impacts in those areas um, since we spend a lot of time out in the wilderness like people leave their trash behind um, they build um, like numerous firings in you know in one area you know it, like this leaves such a huge impact on the earth and I don't understand that people don't don't see that you know if you use an existing firing you minimize the impact of an area but if you have like five I literally I was at a campsite the other day and I there were eight firings in one concentrated campsite with like why why can't you just reuse the the last one I don't I don't understand <laughs> you know I don't understand why yeah. people do that but that's a huge problem in in the outdoors right now and you know we're just like trying to to help people understand um you know the impacts that these leave and and try to you know educate as much as possible knowledge is power so the more yeah. knowledge you put out there um, with these principles, um, you know, we hope that people people will get it and realize that there are better ways to do things that, you know, will be more consistent with protecting the environment. Yeah, when I first got on the road, I had a temporary like work camp job at an RV park, ah. and I was there over. I think it was Memorial Day weekend. And of course, you know, it got completely packed, like had to turn RVs away because um, it was totally full. And it was just horrifying to see the amount of trash. I mean, each RV was producing like an entire huge heavy duty garbage bag or two in this three night time span. Oh, wow. And it, it it's just it's horrible you know that everybody was coming in and they were all lighting up barbecues and just the the smoke the air quality got so mm. bad because it's there's so many little fires concentrated in one area and then just single use everything, everything. all of this prepackaged food and just so much trash from one you know, one camping trip and, yeah. you know, isn't the point supposed to be that you're getting out into nature and, and enjoying it? And yeah. That, uh, yeah. I, I don't, and I've seen on your Instagram stories where you guys have posted about going to a campsite and 
cleaning them up and, and hauling away bags upon bags of trash, trash. from just a very small area. It's terrible. Yeah, I think for the most part, it happens every time we go out yeah. uh, dispersed camping. We, um, we pack out other people's waste and burning trash in a campfire is the worst. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, should not burn trash, people. Don't do it. Yeah, burning trash and food waste and food scraps in the campfire is like we clean we clean that up often. Yeah. Yeah, and people don't realize, you know, especially when they're leaving food out, it's going to be attracting wildlife, and that can be putting yourself and other campers in a very dangerous situation. And then when mm-hmm. burning trash, you're releasing these toxic, Toxin. poisonous chemicals yeah into the air um and that again doesn't just affect you and the campers around you but that affects the wildlife around you yeah and water sources as well yeah yeah and yeah. water sources mm-hmm. oh yeah okay this episode is going so much longer than i was planning for so i'm going <laughs> to wrap it up with two more questions for you okay so question first question how much longer do you think that you and Dustin will keep doing van life or when do you think you're gonna settle down and and get a little tiny home wow good question I don't know I honestly feel like this is something we'll always do but we probably won't continue doing it full time Mm -hmm. you know uh for much longer because we're both feeling a sense of like you know um consistency like having you know like our own like some land and a tiny house you know maybe a a tiny earth ship um yeah so we've both been feeling a kind of a pull in that direction so it probably won't be too long before we um, have a stationary home somewhere but I think that uh you know this type of uh, travel like van life is something that we'll we'll probably do part-time um for as long as we can and then last question for you. You said you're in New Mexico right now. Where are you going to be traveling throughout the rest of 2019? Uh, so I think like after New Mexico, we're going to um, head towards New Orleans. So we'll be slowly making our way there. We're hosting a van life gathering in October um, down there. So we're going to make our way there and we're going to be there for the fall, for the rest of 2019. So I think we're going to like just get a place and settle down and have like re-energize and reevaluate a little bit and just, you know, some self-care, you know, maybe um, definitely deepen my yoga practice um, this fall and winter. So just so that's where we'll be until maybe next spring. Uh, Who knows? (laughs) Wherever the road takes you. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I do actually have one more question then. Mm-hmm. Where can people follow you along on your adventures? Um, Instagram is kind of our go-to platform. So we are on Instagram as Irie to Aurora. So people can find us there. If you find value in the Hippie Haven podcast, please share it with someone you know who'd be interested. You can leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using. And also consider buying me a virtual cup of coffee to keep me going. Each podcast episode takes around six hours to create, and episodes cost about $50 each out of my own pocket. These costs include file hosting, editing, transcription for people who need or prefer visual content, and my own time of researching, drafting, recording, proofing, and promoting. 
visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Callie, that's C-A-L-L-E-E, to support the work I'm doing with a $4 cup of coffee. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.